The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey Rockheads, stop releasing your mutex and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 577 with guest Roy Osherode, recorded live at the Norwegian Developers Conference, Thursday, June 17, 2010. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And now... The man whose regex strings look like a transcribed Mel Gibson rant, Carl Franklin. We're here in the fishbowl at the Norwegian Developers Conference with uh, Roy Osherov, who's going to play one of his songs for us to open the show. Every build you break, refactoring you make. Every mark you fake, you little snake, I'll be watching you. Every stand-up meeting, I believe you're cheating. Every unit test pains my chest, I'll be stopping you. Oh, can't you see, this is scaring me, it would be so strange, if my job will change, every iteration, continuous integration, now the client's here, Everything they hear, man, it bothers me. Oh, can't you see? Nothing comes for free. Every test you write is a waste of bites. Every mark you fake. Every class you make, every mark you fake, I'll be watching you every single day. Every word you say, every mark you play, 
I'll be watching you. Yeah, thanks, Roy. Thank you very much, Carl. How you doing? So you've been speaking here, and this is a just a sample of what we get at your talks. You bring your guitar everywhere you go and ah. do these great songs. This is a, the end. The end sample. I like to uh, call you the Adam Sandler of the .NET world. You know, you're not the first one who said that. Someone actually twittered that a while ago. Well, you know, not you. You not only look like him, but I mean, the whole guitar song things in your songs are a lot like him. It's kind of eerie, actually. Heck, he's on the cover of the NDC magazine in a rock jump pose with a guitar. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> the The song I sing are are out of real pain <laughs> that I've actually experienced. <laughs> that's why that's why they work. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> yeah, the, that's true of all humor. So when you're not speaking and playing songs, what's your actual job? What are you making your money from? So I make my money from speaking and training, and uh, that's only part-time. I work full-time at a company called TypeMock, where mm-hmm. we are building the next generation of unit testing tools. And um, right now, I'm the chief architect there, and I, and I help build a new product called TestLint, which is free. And it's uh, designed to review your unit test code. Lint, L-I-N-T? Yes, TestLint. It's built on, the name is, is based on an old product called Lint for C and C++, where it would find common errors that would lead to problems later on. So is that an is, acronym of something, or is it just Lint? Um, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's an acronym of some sort. Okay, good enough. I don't remember what for exactly, but I'm sure it could be a nasty one. So TypeMock... Um, was originally a product, was it, uh, that was for mocking only, and now you guys are yeah. expanding into all sorts of unit testing? So, th- yeah, that's exactly what, one of the reasons that we're talking here is about uh, how we try to scale a development from one product, which we used to have only an isolation framework. Right. A lot of people call that mocking framework, but mm-hmm. I don't agree with the wording. Right. Uh, isolation is just better because it's, it's a non-overloaded well, it d- word. it describes the problem. Exactly. And um, it used to be just one product called TypeMock Isolator. Right now we have four different products. Okay. So that's TestLint lately and uh, Teammate, which actually tracks the team's debug time versus test time. So it will show you how the team is doing. Do we spend too much time debugging instead of writing tests? Interesting, yeah. Yeah. So we just we are trying to find ways to to encourage unit testing to show that it actually works mm-hmm. by showing that the bug time actually gets lower. Um, Other product? And uh, so we had Teammate, Lint, Isolator, and uh, TypeMock Racer, which is a thread unit testing tool. Interesting. Racer? Yes. Racer. To find race As conditions? In race conditions, yes. Mm-hmm. So deadlocks and race conditions. And we're trying to organize all these products into a suite. And we're working on a next generation one. Code review in a box. Well, code review is just the Lint one. Uh, we, but the, the point is we have like four different products and they all require different resources, different, different, um, uh, different builds, machines, and all that stuff. And scaling that in a, from a single team was, was quite a problem. How many people are we talking about here too? We're talking about five people in a single team. Okay. And we're, we're going to be growing, so we're hiring right now. What's the price range of your products? The Lint is free, so from zero to eight hundred for the uh, TypeMock isolator tool, okay. and uh, of course there's a build server license, which is about a thousand something dollars. And the other ones? Um, the other ones, I don't really know. I think they're still in beta. Uh, Racer is definitely in beta, so it's okay. free. 
and um, because it's we're still working on adding features to it. And uh, teammate, it's uh, we're still adding features, so we're giving it to customers. We're getting feedback back. So you've been doing a lot of development in the cloud, and I don't mean on the cloud. I mean in the cloud. Yeah, Cloud-based the- uh, development, CB, CB, cloud-based builds, if you will, CBBs. Okay. So you're running a, a build server in the cloud. I'm running the more than one build server in the cloud. Um, so the problem was, uh, our problem was that we have pretty expensive hardware, like Windows virtual machines running on a $25,000 server right. with virtual machines running on it, so we can uh, easily test uh, our products. We'd automated tests on multiple configurations, and we have multiple products running continuous integration all the time. Mm-hmm. So every time we check in source code, we have automated tests running on some computer somewhere. It used to be that all these computers were virtual machines running on our local server. But every time the local server got um, got stuck for a hardware problem, then all the development would actually stop. The whole stop. company grinds to a stop. The right. development. Development side. Anyway. Marketing yeah. never grinds to a stop, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, that's something that really, uh, really resonated as a problem, especially when you have four teams or four products that being shut down. Right. You cannot check yes. in any source code. A lot of productivity broken because of a bad down computer. Exactly. So you start testing yep. things locally and it, it deteriorates from there. Mm-hmm. Because it takes time to run a, a whole build, a nightly build on a local machine. It's not strong enough. So buy more computers. So there, that's, an, that's an issue of money. Right. Um, we already spent a lot of money on having a big server that can run a lot of virtual machines. But right. We've reached the capacity for that server. So when you move to the cloud, you take that server home for your media center? <laughs> well, that server now is a backup server. I wish, though. Nice. Well, just for, to play Quake. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you, I mean, you already were in VMs. Hyper-V or VM? Uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, Windows uh, Hyper-V, Hyper-V server. Okay. And... Um, I started investigating ways of um, taking the whole thing out into the cloud so we don't have to worry about hardware right. anymore. So the first uh, thing I started looking at was the Amazon Web Services stuff. Mm-hmm. EC2? Yep. So Amazon EC2 was actually so easy. Uh, I got up and running with a new machine, configuring a new machine, in about half an hour. And tell us about EC2. So EC2 is the Elastic Computing Cloud from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And you basically just register uh, with your own Amazon account. You can actually you pay for usage, and you can claim instances of computers. You can uh, basically order, um, let's say, an instance of a computer with two cores, uh, two gigs of memory. So are they servers or clients? They're uh, the Windows instances are all Windows Server instances, and they're like UDP, RDP rather. Yes, so you can you, you just RDP straight to, uh, to them. You, they have a DNS already. Okay. You get a Windows admin password for each instance. It takes about 10 minutes or 15 minutes for the first instance to get started once you requ- requisite a new one, a new one from scratch. Mm-hmm. Talking about. So you get a new one, you RDP into it, and you start installing stuff because it all runs on the Amazon web. Then downloading and uploading stuff from those instances is very, very fast. So uh, the first thing I installed on one of the instances, which is a Windows 86 instance, was a TeamCity, which is a continuous integration server. All right. So that's about 200 to 50 megabytes and took two, two minutes to download. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. You see in RDP, you just download, you install. 
and you start running a server. You open the correct ports, and you have a computer running in the cloud. That's basically it. And I have a blog and, post on how and, to exactly do that. And it's interesting that, and a little ironic, that unlike Azure, you're RDPing into a Windows server. <laughs> yeah. It's more Windows than Windows Azure is Windows. Well, uh, I haven't tried with Windows Azure yet, but I, I went into some of Clemens Vaster's talks mm-hmm. here. Or at least I went to them virtually through the ADD room, as right. you call it. And um, it, uh, I, I saw a lot of uh, kind of the same ideas there maybe even taking a bit far, farther away. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to try that as well. I'm, I'm not sure if it's still there yet, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and it's a different approach. They're, they're owning the operating system, and you're just running apps on it, as opposed to EC2, where you've set up the, uh, pick the OS, you're patching it. Well, you get an instance with an OS already installed. And there's you just pros install and cons. stuff on it. There's pros and cons there, too, because in Azure, you're just dealing with the services that you want to deal with. Yeah. And here, you've got, the whole operating system to deal, yeah. to deal with. This is just basically saving me hardware and right. scaling. So if I need, uh, once I save that instance configuration, when I shut it down, the hard drive is saved for later. Right. So I can always start new instances that look exactly the same if I need to. And since it's uh, going to be you know, a privately run server, it's not like it's got to be up all the time. You put it up when you want it up. You take it down when you don't. Exactly. And I actually have an iPhone application called IAWS Manager where you control you know, the virtual machines from, from your iPhone. So as I get, uh, before I get to work, like uh, in traffic, I will uh, start up uh, the, the instance of TeamCity server for continuous integration and a couple of agents that will listen to the TeamCity server and will run actually the build. And it's all running in the cloud because it takes about 10 minutes for an instance to start. Um, and the nice thing about it is that the tools that we start using are starting to support the cloud as well. So one of the things that I really liked about the JetBrains Team, Team City thing is that it has built-in support for the cloud. So you can actually configure it to instantiate new instances of machines for you when it needs to. Hmm. So you can say, look, if you have a high volume of demand, you can instantiate on your own up to, let's say, 15 instances at the same time. So if someone checks in code and wants to run a build and all the agents are actually busy, it will start a new agent and run it on that new agent. Wow. And that's all done automatically. And that's great. So imagine uh, a company with 15 projects and at the end of the day, everyone wants to go home, everyone checks in their code. Bam, that's 15 builds. You might have only two agents ready. So automatically, you're going to get 10, 15 agents so that all the builds run in parallel instead of sequentially. Right, and they all light up and do their thing and then shut all down again. You can tell it so after an idle time, shut down the, the, the instance. So you're saying that you can create one virtual machine and then tell it to replicate itself? Yeah, one virtual machine to rule them all. I created a virtual agent uh, snapshot, if you will, uh, which has all the Visual Studio 2010 installed and everything. And now I can actually uh, tell TeamCity to instantiate as many instances as you need to of that agent, and it will handle the ID issues and all that stuff oh, okay. for you. This is a TeamCity feature, not an Amazon feature. Amazon has the ability to replicate. You can okay. just say start 10 instances of this volume, of really? this drive, yes, okay. basically. Now, Amazon is smart enough to, to make sure that they're all different machines. So okay. their IDs are already uh, 
They're nice. never the same in the, with the same name, for example. You don't have to deal with that particular thing. It's yeah. automatically shifting the names around. They They've take all care of that. IPs exactly. And so forth. You just get the new DNS, and you can. The nice thing about it is, you can. There's a thing called elastic IPs, mm-hmm. uh, and so you, if you have an IP, you can um, you can say I have two IPs for the organization, and I start an instance of something of let's say the server, and I associate the IP with the instance. I never need to know the exact DNS of the uh, the new instance I just started. I still go in my browser to that IP address, right? And I manage my builds from always that same IP address. So even if I shut it down and I start back up again, it's still going to have the same IP. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they've made it really easy for you to have that pre-configured and, and able to run anytime you need to. And yeah, and that's an Amazon feature. Right. That's, that's, an, that's, that's Amazon not a Team C2 feature. You still have to do that with Amazon. Now you can also in EC2 also create client desktop machines, can't you? Uh, not that I saw. I mean, the the when you get started, you have a wizard that allows you to choose Linux or Windows. Right. And in the basic Windows machine, it's only Windows Server. Either oh, there, x86 okay, there's or another, 64. There's an, then there's another Amazon service that you can That might be. I, I, uh, I, I don't think I on. still have enough experience to, to be an expert on that. Mm-hmm. But to get started, you don't have a, anything but a server. I guess they assume that it's going to be used as a server. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who want me to tell you about JustMock, Telerik's mocking tool. And unlike most mocking tools, JustMock can work with non-virtual methods, sealed classes, and static methods and classes, giving you complete control over your code. And of course, you get that great Telerik quality and support. You can read more and download the tool at Telerik.com slash JustMock. And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. So are you basically saying you're storing all the source code for your projects on Amazon now? Well, no. I'm using, uh, right now what we're doing is we're checking uh, a hosted solution for using Mercurial. I always, it's... Mercurial, yeah. Mercurial. Okay. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, Mercurial. (laughs) Yes, mercurial. Mercurial. <laughs> this does anyway. not roll off the Israeli tongue, apparently. No, no. Tibby, you want to try pronouncing it just because you're in the room? Yeah. Mercurial. Mercurial. Yeah, yeah it's right. not. It it's seems not. an easy word, man. I don't know what your issue is here. Yeah, maybe it's. it's so, what are you using effect. mercurial for? Uh, so we use. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard! What is that name again? <laughs> what did you call that thing? <laughs> Merc. <laughs> Good enough. What are you using um, Merc for? <laughs> M-I-R-C. <laughs> um, so let me just get back to the question, which I forgot. Okay. So we're hosting our source code uh, currently locally, and we're checking uh, hosting with through the Fogbugs uh, system, which is okay. called Kiln, K-I-L-N, that's based on Merc. Ah, Uriel. <laughs> Merck and someone else will say the the, the other part. Uriel. Merck Ariel. And um, and the thing is, because it's hosted and it's public, then your Amazon instance also has access to it. So it will get the latest version of the code automatically from the location, which is already publicly hosted. Right. If your um, source control, let's say a team system or whatever, is only locally available, you're going to have to open it up to your instance so we can see it from outside. Is there any uh, limitations on services that you can and cannot run? No, it's a full machine. You're a full administrator on the machine. Um, I 
for example, I went there and I opened a new directory on the C drive. Since it's a full RDP, you just do whatever you need to do. I could run a SQL Server if I wanted to. Yeah, and they have machines pre-configured with SQL Server, for wow. example. Like an X64 machine with, let's say, 56 megabytes of uh, gigabytes of RAM. So how are you securing all of this? How are you protecting your source code and, uh, you know... Wait a minute. Did you say 56 gigabytes of RAM? They have, uh, yeah, you can reserve instances of specific sizes. So there's of RAM. Extra small. Yeah, RAM. And uh, 48 processors if you need it. So there's like an extra large, huge instance okay. with, I don't remember how much, but okay. a lot of memory uh, and right. a lot of processors. I just wanted to clarify before we move a lot. on. I'm sorry, Richard. I, I, I don't remember this. I know it doesn't actually compute with... Uh, it's it's logical processors. You don't you know. Not just the. I didn't say process. It says RAM. RAM. Gigabytes. Logical. No, they actually have how many ECU and CPUs. Right. Well. So how many cores and ECUs? So I guess that means it's that there is a hardware and a virtual. Right. Anyway, yeah. it's pretty pretty strong. But, I mean, but the point is, you can dial, especially for the tasks you're doing here, doing your, your testing uh, yeah. as part of continuous integration. You, there's more than enough headroom there for any test you want to run. Oh, the yeah. big thing here is more than kicking enough. off separate ones for each one of the projects you're doing, so you're not waiting for hardware. Exactly, and usually you don't need anything more than the medium instance of something, which is actually the uh, the simplest um, uh, stuff is pretty pretty much good enough to run a simple build. I got a question for you, and I didn't mean to be, this to be an, an EC2 show, but, you know, the, it's kind of interesting. Would it, you, do you think I'd be able to have two separate servers share the same hard drive space? Um, I know that they have an idea called virtual private cloud, where it's like a VPN in the cloud. Uh, and I know that you can have a volume, a drive, that you can attach to instances, I don't know if you can do it at the same time to two instances. I'm pretty sure you can't. It's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, the application there would be one uh, one machine to be a, a configuration, you know, sort of private access lockdown a little bit um, server yeah. and another to actually, you know, host your sites. And but like that's that. one of the things that uh, if once you get out of the EC2 mindset, you say, okay, what other services does Amazon have that I might connect with, you start to see that there, there are actually solutions. So you might use Amazon S3 to host binary files, and then you might use Amazon SimpleDB to just uh, store the locations of the binary files in the S3. Then you would have a site hosted on a virtual machine, on a server, using the Amazon SimpleDB service to track what binary files from S3 to download to the user. Right, so you, you could use multiple services together. It's all done with the same credentials if you need it, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. We're starting to use Amazon SimpleDB, which is a non-relational database. Reporting has been the issue that has held us back from S3. You know, uh, if we were say to move .NET Rocks yeah. site, you know, with all of our downloads and stuff, we uh-huh. need sort of good reporting on terms of, you know, what I really want is IIS logs. Huh, I for, see what you mean. For uh, S3, we don't we're struggling have. with the same problem, but I, I think that the problem is solved before you actually get there. On the website download pages, that's how most companies I saw start to do it, is they have the, your download is about to begin, click here if it doesn't start, and that's where they record the download. If you want to record that it was fully downloaded, I think that they might, I don't know if they, they have that feature. Yeah, I last looked. time I looked, they didn't have really good reporting. 
if you want to know the exact binary download buckets I, I guess they call them right yeah yeah they they have uh you know a bucket is like a directory where you have files and they have yeah. downloads per bucket but not per file at least the last time i checked i'll have to go look back but buckets again. can have subdirectories so you can have multiple subdirectories inside one bucket and then you can have reporting for everything yeah, I'll have to take another look at that. Anyway, it's pretty cool because I'm starting to do all my backups into the cloud now, into an S3. Interesting. So I'm using Jungle Disk for full yeah. hard drive backup. Yeah, lots of people are fans of Jungle Disk. And I'm archiving all my videos and songs and whatever into S3. Tell us about Jungle Disk. Um, it's, it's, it's a not free backup service, but it costs like $2 a month. You give it your Amazon credentials, and it saves your data encrypted into the cloud. So you still have full access to it if you ever need it. If Jungle Disk ever stops working. Your data from your local client? Yes. From it's not, a backup client. A backup client for any PC that's connected to the internet. Yeah. And you just, uh, I, so you pay for the Amazon S3 uh, service um, charges. I see. And you pay like two bucks for Jungle Disk for the service of uploading it automatically. Two bucks a month? I think so, yeah. No limit on data? Yeah, because the data you pay for as much as you use for yeah, Amazon pay, pay S3. Through, through S3. Yeah. yeah. All right, okay. That, sure. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and everything is just simpler now, you know? So I we host our our bug system on Fogbugs. Right. So it's, it's hosted on the cloud. Not on an official cloud, but it's still a cloud for me. Mm-hmm. Well, we host some of the source code on the Kiln Mercurial. Nice. And uh, so we don't care about that. Uh, if our monster server machine falls down tomorrow and breaks, we can still run our builds. So we don't care about that anymore. Well, and I think it's the other. You you talked about this angle of I don't want to have one machine and and each build process is running through it over time, because you're now paying by utilization. It costs you the same whether you spin up one instance of this Amazon server and run them serially, or spin up fifteen and run them in parallel. It should actually end up being the same amount of yes, money. Yes, yes, you pay by instance time. time. Yeah, it's just instance time. That's true. And, so. and they have a cool thing where you can actually reserve instance time one or three years in, in advance. And then you pay like 50%. So you can say, oh, so I'm, so I'm going to reserve. Instance time up front, you get a discount. Yeah, so you pay for a discounted for, let's say, a year or three years. Right. And then whatever instance you start from then on that matches that description that you committed to, mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to get the, the lower rate. So in, like in your CI scenario, you can pretty much presume, hey, we're going to be spinning up media instances every week. We're going to need one years. instance running all the time yeah, all and the, time. the server instance running all the time. Yeah. So we just reserve that for three years. And get a discount because you've committed to it up front. Exactly. And we should also add that you're saving lots of money. Yeah, uh, so uh, I've been trying it for two months now. Last month with uh, Team City server running and two agents running on and off was about forty bucks, <laughs> forty-five bucks. <laughs> That's it. Well, yeah, and, and just think about the cost. When you think about the cost of the hardware and the cost of the people to keep that gear running, which we don't have, we're a startup, right? So yeah, for us, it's it's a major drag to to handle all that local stuff mm-hmm. so it was such a nice thing to i was actually almost happy when the network card stopped working on the local server and i said oh yeah nothing happened nothing happened i'm just continuing on my yeah, way i'm just gonna yeah. press next doesn't the matter only thing, to me you're just stuck if you don't have any internet connection that's right. the only problem yeah well then therein lies the real challenge we've run into this with conferences trying to do demos of cloud related stuff like you're going to actually show this off we know the internet connections at conferences are always a nightmare because there's so many geeks here That's stressing the, inter- the yeah. internet. And I, 
Yeah, this is always a vulnerability, right? Every time we move to this, we start talking about this kind of model, it's how do you survive in-house? You, you're now able to survive your local server going down, but Amazon's gone down. That's it's true. It's not like it's never happened. So that's why I think you should have a local server as a backup right? and use the, the cloud most of the time. Yeah. But uh, you're going to still have to maintain that local server. So at least if you're a startup, just use the cloud. And the nice thing, someone said to me, hey, if I'm a startup and I'm closing tomorrow, yes, no no baggage left Yeah, no over. infrastructure to clean Nothing up. Nothing to sell. Right. You're just done. You just close the instances and that's it. Oh, well. Bill stops. Yeah. Um, we got sidetracked from the security question, so I do want to get back to that. So yeah. I'm presuming not anybody has access to all your source code. That's true. The source code is you have to have access to it through HTTPS. Right. And uh, that's that's the way it is. It's, okay. And so you've every actually... Every hosted source control system has that. And you've got that creden- those credentials up in your Amazon uh, instances so they're able to go and get the source code yes. from Mercurial and and uh, and do the tests on it. Yes, yes. It's, it's, oh, no, I'll be sending you the word Mercurial in email every day <laughs> for the next couple of months, actually. I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you very much. Just want you to work on it, you know. Stay focused. You, it, it sounds like you think I haven't worked on it so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've gotten better over the course of this discussion, so I, I'm thinking, you know, you haven't worked hard enough at it, actually. Yeah, we should do more shows like this, That's obviously, it. so I get better. <laughs> appreciate your time and energy for that. So when do you give up your desktop machine and uh, just use the cloud uh, I don't see myself doing that, actually, because the, yeah. the lag is still too big. Okay. Uh, that typing is actually too annoying. Well, and, and you think about what are you doing on the cloud? You're doing all this test suite stuff, which is completely asynchronous to your work process, That's right? That's true. Yeah. You check in your build. That just stuff happens in the background, and you get a report back saying how you busted the build again. <laughs> I, I get a report, and I actually have a tray notifier that will tell me that. Pops up when it's done. Yeah, so I don't need to look even. But one thing, by the way, moving to the cloud, it doesn't just have to be for that kind of stuff. One of the things we're doing with the cloud now, we've started doing is application logging. So you want to see actions that you, your users did. So when you sell your product, it yeah. logs to the cloud? So with their permission, right. uh, uh, for TestLint, what we're trying to do now is that uh, whenever a user... Uh, uh, when, whenever a rule finds a problem with a test for a user, right. we will log that into the cloud, into Amazon SimpleDB. Interesting. And, and the idea is to have reports of what tests, what kind of issues uh, get found the most. What issues do users mute so they don't care about them? Right. And this, uh, you're looking at this in aggregate statistics. across all your customers. Exactly. Okay. And well, anonymously, of course. Mm-hmm. And the point is to get statistics and to learn more about what we're trying to do. Well, this and is how you make your product better, right? I, mean, we, I think we're getting more and more accepting this idea. Like when the Microsoft products all say, hey, can we include exactly. in the customer experience yeah. reporting so that they can understand how people are using the product? You're doing the same thing. And the cloud makes sense in that scenario. The cloud actually makes it so much easier mm-hmm. because I didn't have to worry about a database. I just used a, downloaded a library that I don't remember the name. And within 10 minutes, I had very simple logging right. into the database. And uh, I could actually query the database later. Yeah. So it's, it's not fast. It's, it's done asynchronously, but mm-hmm. it works. Another thing we're using the cloud for is crowdsourcing. Crowdsourcing? Cloud crowdsourcing. Cloud crowdsourcing. Yes. So uh, that, have you heard explain. of uh, uh, Mechanical Turk? Amazon Mechanical Turk? No. Oh, Mechanical Turk. Yes. The Mechanical Turk being the, uh, the, the Coney Island kind of uh, yes. machine that it, it, tells It's built on fortune. the same idea. So the point is to um, 
announce that you have a task and you can announce uh, 20 of those tasks or thousands and you announce that you want someone, for example, to tell you whether a picture contains a man or a woman if you want to tag something automatically. Okay. You can create this using services and command lines. Okay. And then you send it to Mechanical Turk and you announce that you will pay five cents to whoever the first to answer your question. And you get ah. answers like immediately. I, and you can, I had this idea like 10 years ago. I did. <laughs> um, so like a lot of sites ago. use it to monitor comments for spam or yeah. to to uh, tag photos and to understand sentences automatically. Yeah. And actual people sign up and submit answers and get money from right. Amazon for, for, for that. And, of course, you approve their answers before they get the money. Yeah, that couldn't be exploited or anything, could it? Well, uh, I've tried it, and we've, we've tried it for looking for broken links on our site and for mm. finding... For example, unit testing events in mm-hmm. the world on the web online. Mm-hmm. So if you define the problem well enough, within an hour you can get a great answer from someone. There uh, was a that just reminds me of, as a tangent of an interesting idea I saw. You know the the captcha idea where yeah, you have that to enter captchas as well. Well, what's cool about captchas is that I heard there was a company that was using them to translate books. So uh, uh, you know an OCR would take a word. Use that as a captcha on somebody's website somewhere. They would type it in, and then you know that's a beautiful idea. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah, sort of the like getting parasitic at once, yeah. kind of relationship there. So that's that's perfect. That's exactly piggybacking on existing processes. Yeah, and uh, a lot of actual you know porn uh, porn spammers will do that. I knew it would come down to porn. Of course, it, it always, always comes does. down to porn. Porn and mercurial. That's porn what I do. spammers. <laughs> and. Uh, Speaking of that, how's your Viagra stash doing? You want, can I sell you some? Sure. I have a picture here. Just tell me what it says. All right. <laughs> Actually, I've heard of people doing reverse um, CAPTCHA. Have you heard of that? No. Reverse CAPTCHA. Yeah. So they make CAPTCHA so, uh, so hard that only a computer can answer it. So what? humans, if you're a human, you would get it wrong. But you make it, less, for example, long, too long, so that when you enter the characters, oh. you're going to get it wrong as a human. But a computer would get it like that. Interesting. So this is detecting automatic CAPTCHA um, parsers as you create CAPTCHAs that only the machine would do. It detects humans. Right. It still detects humans. If you make an error, you can go to the site. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But what if you're Richard Campbell? (laughs) And And I admit, some CAPTCHAs, not that I go to sites that require them, I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. some CAPTCHAs are really hard for me to read. Yeah, they are. Because they'd like to distort the, the letters yeah, so bad. So that's almost the reverse. That's You're actually achieving the reverse because I get more captures wrong than right. So I hate that. I hate that. So I, I like the idea of the reverse one, actually. Yeah, make it too hard. All right. So uh, I guess the takeaway points are use the cloud for your build servers. The point is that uh, type mock isolator is scalable. And, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> that's what it's really all about. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, edit point, edit point, edit point. Yeah. But, uh, I'm just uh, trying to see how... Uh, uh, the point is that if you want to be an agile company, mm-hmm. I think that looking at the cloud is a very good option because it will allow you to grow and shrink back based on your actual needs instead of investing long-term in, into hardware. So not just building cloud apps, but building apps on the cloud. 
just relying on the cloud as infrastructure. Yeah, as your, as your infrastructure piece. And I find it very interesting that the, you've offloaded only certain tasks in certain areas. Your code storage is one place. Your uh, uh, it just happens to be one place. place. Yeah. I, I can see myself hosting the source code on Amazon EC2 as well. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. the instances are, um, what do you call it? They're stateful. Right. So if you shut them down and you open them up, they remember. What They'll be where they were. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very cool. Thank you, Roy. Thank you very much, Carl and Richard. And we get some applause. Awesome. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a van by the FCC. Yes, I'm a dog.